just like you, Jesus. I want to pray like you. want to love like you. I want to look like you, just like you, Jesus. Welcome to Magnified Word Broadcast with Bishop Chris Quinston Addo, a son of the prophet, Darkie Wood Mills. Teaching the nations with signs, wonders, and prophetic manifestations, He's currently the senior pastor of the Captain of Salvation Cathedral, Kaswa Nyinyano Kokraba. Now on today's message. Jesus and he's in love. 
verse, chapter 5, it talks about be filled with the knowledge of his will. You know, in Colossians chapter 1, he also talks about that we might be filled with the knowledge of his will. You know, and then chapter 6, he talks about 20 reasons why you must be led by the Spirit of God. I would want you to know that. 20 reasons why you must be led by the Spirit of God. And then chapter 7, he talks about 12 different kinds of voices. You know, in 1 Corinthians 14, 10, Bible says, There are, it may be, so many kinds of voices in the world, and none of them is without signification. Or, in other words, none of the voices is, you can say is, without significance. So, in other words, every voice out of these 12 voices are very significant. And when you go into that chapter, the prophet begins to explain to you how we have such voices as the voice of the devil, we have the voice of your flesh, you have the voice of your of your mind, you have the voice of your prophet, and all these voices are very powerful. But which of them would you listen to? Are you understanding that? We also have the voice of God. And so the 12 different kinds of voices, that is chapter 7. And then you move to chapter 8, you see the voice of the Bible, which is one of the voices of the 12. And in chapter 9, he will talk about five keys to victory over the voice of your flesh. I know young people would want to know this. And in chapter 10, he talks about three things you should know about the voice of the Holy Spirit. You know, and in chapter 11, it talks about seven characteristics of the inner witness. In chapter 12, how to use peace, the umpire, for daily guidance. For daily guidance. You need to know this. You know, when we say umpire, you know, when you read Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, it says that, be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. And then it goes to verse 7, and the peace of God that passes all understanding. You know, so the peace of God that passes all understanding shall keep your heart and your mind through Christ Jesus our Lord. He said that the peace of God is the Holy Spirit who is also the umpire when we say umpire, he's a referee. So the Holy Spirit comes into our lives and he plays the role of a referee. And so when you read that chapter, you begin to have more revelations about the fact that how to use peace, the empire, for daily guidance would be very important for you to know. Chapter 13, how to tell the difference when the Holy Spirit speaks in different ways. Hmm. Chapter 14, four reasons for spectacular guidance. Chapter 15, how to identify a door. And chapter 16, why every Christian should know, what every Christian should know about dreams. And this is one of the subjects I'm going to be talking about hopefully next week. You see, what every Christian should know about dreams. And then chapter 17, how to interpret different kinds of dreams. Chapter 18, how to relate to a prophet. I'll talk about that also in the course of this series. And then chapter 19, the secret of directed paths. And then chapter 20, how to deal with the voice of the people. The reason why I've taken my time to go through all these chapters is for you to begin to think about having a strong desire to get this book by tomorrow. 
because we are full of revelations. As, as, as a pastor, a lot of people keep asking me, I had a dream, what does it mean? I, I, this was what I felt the Lord was telling me, what does it mean? And all that, and I always would direct them to this book because this is the book that has changed my life personally. And I believe that as you are listening to me, whether you are listening to me from Ghana, from Nigeria, from Uganda, from Europe, from the US, wherever you are, the same God that we serve would use the same ways to lead you. Can I have an amen? You know, so you go to chapter 20, how to deal with the voice of the people. I'll talk about that also. You know, and chapter 21, how not to be led by circumstances. Chapter 22, how to unmask the devil. Chapter 23, three checks to avoiding mistakes when being led by the spirit. Hmm. Chapter 24, why you must listen to your conscience. Chapter 25, 12 levels of obedience to the Lord. And today I'm going to talk about, I'm going to try to finish, if it's possible, the 12 levels of obedience to the Lord. And chapter 26, common alternatives to obedience. And then the last chapter in this book is the promises and blessings for obedience. Hallelujah. You know, whether you like it or not, by the time I'm done with this series, my prayer is that your life will be elevated to the next level. Hallelujah. Mm, I don't know about you, but I feel the presence of God. (laughs) <laughs> Jesus. And so I want us to read this first scripture. If you have your Bible with you, just turn your Bibles to 2 Kings chapter 23 verse 25. 2 Kings chapter 23 verse 25. And I want to choose to read from the Living Bible for this particular scripture. The B part. The Bible says that no king since the time of Josiah has approached his record of obedience. I'm reading again. No king since the time of Josiah has approached his record of obedience. You see, Josiah was a young king and as he, during his tenure, as he led God's people, one of the things that was said of Josiah was that he obeyed God so well and so excellent that there's no other king before or after Josiah that could break his record. That means when it comes to even obedience, it's almost like a race. Obedience is kind of like a race because Josiah broke or set a record. Like you know when it comes to 100 meters, you, you, you know the fastest person now is the same boat from Jamaica and his record was nine point until recently recently somebody has broken his record but he set a record 100 meters record and so just like when it comes to 100 meters in the same way obedience also there are some people who we can say that when it comes to obedience to God they've been able to lift the bar to the highest and we are saying that as Bible will tell us, Josiah is one of such. He has set a record and no king before or after Josiah could break that record. May that be said of you also. 
Hallelujah. And it's a reason why I want us to just do this quick study so that we all begin to understand the levels of obedience and then you begin to work at yourself also meeting that record of obedience. It is possible because Josiah lived about three to four thousand years ago. Yeah, here on this earth. But today, by the help of the Holy Spirit, I believe that if you want to, it's possible for you to also get to a point where even if you are not able to get to his record, you'll get close to his record. Hallelujah. You know, in Hebrews chapter 5, verse 7, I want to read this important scripture for you to begin to think about it that way. In Hebrews chapter 5, verse 7, Bible says of Jesus, and this is Jesus, it says that, who in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplications with strong crying and tears unto him that was able to save him from death and was heard in that he feared. Verse 8. Though he were a son, yet, somebody say yet in your house, yet lend he obedience by the things which he suffered. You know, so when we, we look at Jesus, Jesus also, it was said of him that he, whilst he was on earth, he learned obedience. So obedience can be learned. Just like some of you are students and you are learning biology, you are learning CRS, you are learning psychology, you are learning a lot of the logis, you know, a lot of things that we are learning. Some are learning, um, what are some of the things that people are learning? Are learning catering? Are learning mathematics? When you say mathematics, you are, you are spoiling the mathematics. Some are learning. I mean, different things people are learning. But we rarely would hear that somebody is learning about obedience. But it's one of the things that Bible teaches us to learn. And Bible says that Jesus learned obedience. How? By the things he suffered. So whether you like it or not, or whether you believe it or not, God expects all of us to be people who learn obedience. And it is the reason why sometimes God allows us to go through things that we can't even imagine why has he allowed us to go through. You see that in the New Living Translation, even though Jesus was God's son, he learned obedience from the things he suffered. And verse 9, I want you to take note. I'm reading from the NLT now. You notice that I started from TLB and I came to KJV and I'm now in NLT. Uh-huh. So you must have different versions of the Bible. It helps you to understand. Bible says the verse 9 in this way God qualified him as a perfect high priest and he became the source of eternal salvation for all those who obey him. So what he's saying is that when Jesus was able to learn obedience by the things he suffered, God qualified him as a perfect high priest. So what it is is that your obedience and the level of obedience you're able to attain is what qualifies you for something that God has for you. Is it so? If let's say God expects you to get 100% obedience for you to be 
the richest man on earth. And at your level, you are still struggling with 50% obedience. It's the reason why you are poor. I don't know. I don't know if people are getting me. You see, Jesus was supposed to be qualified as the chief high priest on earth. And for him to be qualified as that, he had to learn obedience. So, I am telling you today that your obedience is in relation directly to how high you can go in this life. If your obedience level is low, it's the reason why you will not get a good marriage. I think I'm not coming home. At first I was in the moon. Somebody say, hey, yeah, hey. Ishmael. The level of your obedience, like a, a, an Englishman would say, must be commensurable or must be in tandem with the level of your success. So, if as a bishop, I want to go higher in the things of God, then there are a lot of things that I need to obey God. He says that in this way, God qualified him as a perfect high priest. And then, he became the source of eternal salvation. So when you are qualified for whatever, then you become a source for something that God has for you. And so when you look at somebody like my pastor, the prophet that he was built, and how God has used him in the past 31 years, it is only evidence of his obedience because he has obeyed God in different things and different ways by the things he has even suffered. And as he keeps obeying God, the Lord qualifies him to walk as a great man of God, as an apostle, as a prophet, as an evangelist, as a pastor, as a teacher, as a builder, as a lot of things that when we talk about, he's one of the greatest because of his obediences. So if you are struggling to obey God, even in the little things, then brother, that is why we need to understand the levels of obedience. So let's go through the levels quickly. Number one, I'm starting from level number one and then we move through. The first level of obedience is obeying instructions that are pleasurable. Obeying instructions that are pleasurable. So, for the many years that I've known this particular teaching from the prophet, I have always looked at people and in my mind, equates them to their level. So when I'm relating to somebody, I try to find out at what level is this person at. And that will even determine what to expect of the person. If you know, if you, it's just like temperaments. If you know somebody is a sanguine, you don't give money to the person. Mm-hmm. Bishop, what is a sanguine? Please don't bring that problems here. <laughs> don't, don't bring that, please. <laughs> You know, if somebody is choleric, you know, there are four temperaments, four main types of temperament. We have choleric, we have the melancholic, we have the sanguine, and we have the phlegmatic. If somebody is choleric, that person is the type of person who would, when he's given a work to do or job to accomplish, he would do everything possible to get it done. If, if it means, it even means to step on human beings to get their work done, he would do that. He's not too sensitive to human beings. His mind is, let me get this job done. 
So, if you know the temperament of the person, you know how to relate to the person. In the same way, when you know somebody's level of obedience, you know what you can give to the person. God will not give a whole church made up of thousands of people with the miracles of healing to somebody who is disobedient when it comes to giving of tithe. He won't do that. How would you, why would you give your car key to a 10 years boy who doesn't even know how to buckle his shoe? I, I, you, I don't know if you understand what I'm saying. A 10 years boy who gets up in the morning wouldn't brush his teeth until mommy comes and said, son, go and brush your teeth every day until you're told that you don't have to be given a khaki. Because it's almost like you can't handle it. If there's somebody close to you, tell your neighbor, you gotta handle it. Yeah, you gotta handle it. You know, so the truth of the matter is that God has many good plans for Isaiah, for I know the thoughts that I think towards you. Thoughts of good and not of evil to give you, to give you an expected end. But that expected end is made up of a lot of obediences that you must obey. Obediences. So the first level or the lower level, the kindergarten level of obedience is obeying instructions that are pleasurable. Because at all lie. You know, so for example, let me give you a very quick example. For example, let's say, um, let me use the context of uh, married people. If you are married, let's say a husband, and then Bible is saying that husbands do not defraud your wives from sex. That's in the Bible. Don't don't look at me through the airwaves like I am saying something. That is it, the husband should not deprive his wife of sexual intimacy. Intimacy means into me you see. Yeah, intimacy means no. I'm not joking. Intim- you are laughing at your home. Intimacy means into me you see. So someone who is intimate means that the person has come in. So intimacy is into me, you see. see The husband should deprive his wife of sexual intimacy, which is a right as a married woman. Nor should the wife deprive her husband. So if your husband hears something like that, 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 3, from the NLT. I mean, you start to lift up and say, so, so when your wife is trying to misbehave, like you know, I'm tired. You just go, you bring your Bible. And say, look, Bible says First Corinthians chapter seven, verse three. Do not deprive me. And it's like Charlie, at all lie. <laughs> wow, that is an instruction that is pleasurable. You now you like it already. It's almost like you like um, pizza, and then somebody you get a pizza joint. A pizza point, and then you are told that just go pick any size you want. It's an instruction. <laughs> I mean, you wonder whether this is an instruction or what? Because, like, ah, tell it, it is so beautiful. And so, some of you, you are just at this level, you are be enjoying pleasurable instructions and obeying them with ease. But now, as you grow in the Lord, the Lord will expect you to move to the next higher levels. So the second level of obedience is obeying instructions that are in tandem with your personal goals. 
and childhood dreams. When I say tandem, equal. Tandem means equal or the same level. So the second level of obedience is obeying instructions that are equal or that are in tandem with your personal goals and childhood dreams. So when I'm speaking my local language, what I'm trying to say is that for example, you look in the Bible, something like Proverbs chapter 3, verse 16. Bible says that seek wisdom for length of days is in her right hand and in her left hand riches and honor. So when you hear something like this, and then you now, you want to be a rich person, wouldn't you want to do anything to have wisdom? You'd want to. So if they tell you that, oh, how do you get wisdom? You have to go to school. How do you get wisdom? You have to buy this book of this author. How do you get wisdom? You do everything to get that wisdom because it is connected to your childhood dream of becoming rich, which is easy. So a lot of us also are found in this category where we just obey easily things that has to do with we now and that's what we want to do. For example, if you want to go to America, you want to live in America and then you'll be there. Okay, you'll be there. <laughs> I see all of us who want to go to America going to America. May you never be bounced after the coronavirus. Yeah. I've started preaching this message just around the time that this coronavirus has been here. But God would help us. Amen. Now you see, you want to go to America and then you are told that this is your childhood dream. Which is a good dream. And then you are told that um, you, are ha- you have a scholarship to go and further your education in America. All you need to do is to just get 1,000 Ghana CDs or get $200. And then you just make some small payment and you're going. Don't you think it will be easy for you to go and get the two hundred dollars or the thousand Ghana cities? It's very easy because America. And I'm, you say I'm going to America. I don't have to pay anything. When I get there, everything is ready. It's like this is easy. So some of us we also find ourselves obeying such things because it's in line with what we want to do. But I'm going to ask you a question. Assuming you are told to go to a town called in Ghana or in Uganda. Let me use Uganda. A town called Nakapriprit. <laughs> you are laughing at me. <laughs> Nakapriprit. Nakapriprit. Nakapriprit is a town in Uganda. Some years ago, I lived in that beautiful country, Uganda. And Nakapriprit is a town. But you see, if you get to Nakapriprit, you, you may easily get confused. You know? But what you don't know is that when you go to Nakapriprit, maybe God has something special for you. But you see, we wouldn't easily want to go there. Our mind would be, no, if it's America and Akosombo, if it's America and Nakapriprit, I'll choose America. Rarely would you have people dream and their dream, God will be telling them to go to a town, a village that is not blossoming and prospering. I don't, I don't usually hear of such dreams. Uh, when I had a dream, I saw the Lord has taken me to a town called Nakapriprit. I rarely hear such things. 
Dawadawa number three. Dawadawa number. I mean, can you imagine places are called number one, number two? But you know, interestingly today, churches are filled with such success-oriented, prosperity-loving congregations who are delighted that their pastors' sermons coincide exactly with the things that they personally need. It's common. It's like Charlie, I see you going to America. Amen. I see you going to the Amen. I see we to the pastors, we enjoy it. As I'm professor and people are jumping, I tell myself the anointing is working. My God. <laughs> It's good, but we must be ready to go higher with the Lord. Can I have an amen? And it is no wonder that most pastors have become experts at delivering such beautiful sermons on financial wisdom, on money, on success in life, on marriage, on family happiness, on abundance and prosperity, because that's what the people want to hear. Many people go to church on Sunday morning for the pastor to scratch them on the exact spot that is itching. I mean, can you imagine? Even when Jesus was on earth, Jesus gave out bread and fish. I mean, I can imagine people started WhatsApp with Charlie. Pastor Jesus come around though. Make you wrong come. <laughs> I chon, I chon, I chon, he's dashing bread and fish. And people ran to the place. But you see, people love instructions that coincide with their personal goals. But you see, at a point, after Jesus had fed them, he now went on and said that you have to my flesh and drink my blood. Now the message was becoming stronger. The instruction was becoming heavier. Now the people said, what are you saying? You have to eat your flesh and your blood. It was difficult to obey. And in life, as you keep moving with the Lord, you get to a point where you have to now obey things that are very difficult. How can I eat Jesus' flesh and drink his blood? And that was when the people said, Charlie, we can't follow you. And they left him. And Jesus even turned to his disciples and asked them, will you also go? And then they said that we don't have anywhere to go to. Because we're willing to obey at a higher level. May the Lord help you to obey at your level. And that takes us to third level of obedience, which is obeying instructions that are reasonable. Obeying instructions that are reasonable. Hallelujah. Instructions that are reasonable. For example, you know when you read Ephesians chapter 4, it says that and still no more. Still no more. Ephesians chapter 4. Still no more. I mean, if you hear a statement like that, you will begin to wonder, still no more. And then, just in your neighborhood, you heard somebody has gone to steal. And when he was caught, he was bent alive. Would you not want to obey it? So, so in reality it's almost like you're obeying the Bibles still no more because because somebody has been bent so the reason why a lot of people are not fornicating is because they are afraid of HIV <laughs> I am preaching now <laughs> it's not because they fear God no 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 they are being instructions that are reasonable. They say I should not fornicate because in the first place, if I fornicate, I get HIV. 
If I fornicate, I can make somebody pregnant. Or I can be pregnant. <laughs> yeah. So, a lot of people would see such, a, such an instruction like, do not steal anymore. As reasonable because in the first place, if you are if you are caught stealing, they'll burn you alive, they'll take you to the prison. I mean, a lot of things can happen to you. So, because of that, you would listen to such an instruction. That is the level of reasonable obedience, and that's still lower. It's like a class two. And interestingly, when I started thinking about this, I realized that you know, in most of our institutions, educational institutions, you realize that it takes almost 12 years to start from where you start to where you want to get to. You know, in most of the schools, you start from, you start from like where? Nursery or KG1? Crutch. You start from Crutch. From Crutch, you go to Nursery 1. So we are counting. Nursery 1 is 2. Uh-huh. Nursery 2, that's 3. KG1, that's four. KG2, that's five. Class one, that's five. Class two, six. Class three, seven. Class four, eight. Class five, nine. Class six, ten. JHS one, JHS two. That's twelve. So at least if you're able to finish JHS, you have gotten somewhere. But even if we were to calculate it as all the crutch and nursery are all yeah, mean uh, below. So that's one. Then you come to class one, that's two. Ah, uh, to class six, so that's seven. And then you go to JHS one, two, three, that's ten. JHS one, uh, SS one, two, three, that's almost twelve or thirteen. So by the time you have finished SS, which will be about 17, 18 years, you are qualified to be able to drive a car. You are qualified to be able to marry. So by the time you get to level number 12, you are qualified to walk in the levels that Jesus walked in. And that's how it is. But most of us, we just want to be in class 1, class 2. You cannot be in class 2 and then have any impact in the world. So class 4, or the fourth level of obedience is obeying instructions that lead to something good for you. It's also a very lower level. You know, once again, for instance, there are instructions that clearly lead to a better life for you. These instructions that Christians easily embrace. For instance, honor your father and your mother. That is Ephesians chapter 6 verse 2 and 3. You know, it says that honor your father and your mother that it may be well with you. That it may be well with you. Wouldn't you want to obey this? I want to obey. Why? Because Charlie to be well with me. And not only that, he said that thou mayest live long on the earth. Two major things. If I honor my father and I honor my mother, it will be well with me. And will be well with me. What does it mean? What what does it mean? It means it will be well with you. <laughs> Yeah, I am, I am, I am here in the studio with some people. What does it mean to be well with you, Pastor Richard? What does it mean? You have a good marriage. You have a good car. You have a good house. Abla, what does it mean? A lot of money. Eshma, what does it mean? A nice house, 
me, I want, they are all talking about properties. I won't talk about food. It shall be what with you. You'll be eating bird eggs. <laughs> you know, you'll not be eating wache under. You'll not be eating jollof under. I mean, you'll be eating powerful things. I mean, everyone looks at and says, ah, this lady looks so sweet. I mean, everything's so, and you'll be wearing nice clothes. Sometimes the things that you didn't buy. That is what it means. It shall be well with you. Remember in those days, in those days when the Israelites stood of uh, in Deuteronomy chapter 8, when God was t- moving with them through the wilderness for 40 years, even their shoe that they wore, they did not change. And their, their feet did not outgrow their shoes for 40 years. That is what it means by it will be well with you. God himself will be involved in your life. He will take care of your. The moment you say, Lord, I wish I have a suit, then He has told somebody to organize a suit for you. As I speak, may God surprise you with it, a lot of things that will make it well, well with you. That is it. Me, I can say confidently, it is well with me. Yeah. It might be well with you. And you shall live long. No sickness will terminate your life. So why? Because you honor your father and your mother. It's something we all want to do. Because of what we will get. Hallelujah. But you see, that's a fourth level. Now let's go to the fifth level. He said the fifth level of obedience is obeying instructions when you know why the instructions have been given. Can I say here that now we are getting to the point where it's getting to become tougher. It's like an aeroplane. When the aeroplane is about taking off, it would do what we call taxiing. You see? So you sit in the aeroplane, then you say, everybody should put on your seatbelt. Okay? If you don't have a passport, don't listen to me. <laughs> you are not serious. You got to get a passport, okay? All those who are listening to me, you got to get a passport. Don't say that, I don't need a passport because in America. Look, you, you can be in America and you have not traveled before, so you are an Ukrasini. Yeah. You are not exposed. You are just exposed to your American place. You don't know what's happening in Africa. You must travel. Those in Africa, you must also travel. Traveling exposes you. So when you sit in the airplane, the airplane begins to move gently. That's what is called taxiing. So it moves gently, 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 and then it gets to a point, then it stops. And then by that time, the engine has become so hot. And then you hear the captain say, cabin, cabin crew, please take your seat. Get ready for flight. Take over. And then just, and then the plane just begins to move fast into the atmosphere. And then it moves. And that's the point when you begin to hear people screaming and crying. I remember one time when I was from somewhere to somewhere and then there were a lot of whites and then Chinese and all that. And then when the plane took off, this was a huge plane. <laughs> there were those Chinese guys who were sitting by me. Ah. <laughs> the Chinese guys were screaming. And one of them started vomiting. I mean, we're all shocked. It can be frightful. Because depending on the captain, sometimes it goes into the air gently, but sometimes it goes like steeply. And as it's going, you can imagine your whole body is tilted like this. 
and that's how the what I'm describing is. So level one, we are moving. Level two, we are gradually. Level three, level four, and then now level five, we are getting into the the point where we are moving into the air. It's becoming difficult. At that point, if you don't fasten your belt, you cannot. So it's becoming tougher. And that is where you begin to see some major breakthroughs. It is at these levels that you can see God manifest himself. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, these guys, they were at these levels. You cannot be at level 1, 2, 3, 4 and see the power of God offering. So the fifth level again, fifth level of obedience is obeying instructions when you know why the instructions have been given. For example, in Matthew chapter 5 verse 44 to 48, you know, let me read it. Jesus said, but I say unto you, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, pray for them which despitefully use you, and persecute you, that ye may be the children of your Father which is in heaven. Now listen, is that forgive, be a blessing, so that you will be children of your Father which is in heaven. For he maketh his son to rise on the evil and on the good, and sendeth rain on the just and the unjust. So you realize that Jesus was virtually explaining why you should be good to your enemies. He could have said, just forgive your enemies and be a blessing to them. That's it. That instruction did not bring meaning and reasons. But this one is giving you reasons. For if you love them which love you, what reward have you? You do not even the publicans the same. And if you salute your brethren only, what do ye more than others? Do not even the publicans do same. He says that by ye therefore perfect. Be ye therefore perfect, even as your Father which is in heaven is perfect. So we realize that Jesus gave this instruction with reasons why. And it's easier for us to obey. And I'm saying this, by the way, if somebody has hurt you, if somebody has offended you, that's the instruction that Jesus is giving you. Forgive. Be a blessing to the person. If you can, sow into the person's life. And that's how you look like your father in heaven. Now we are getting tougher now. Now the plane is in the atmosphere now. And then it's at you hear things like it's moved to 18,000 feet above sea level. At that point you can't see anything. You're in the clouds. Now we are getting the sixth level of obedience. Is obeying instructions that you do not understand. Now you have been told something and there are no reasons. Or you don't even understand why you should do that. For example, in Philippians chapter 4 verse 12, it is said that everywhere in all things, Paul said, I am instructed. I am instructed. Everywhere and in all things. Somebody say everywhere and in all things. He said everywhere and in all things. I am instructed. I am it's an instruction. Both to be full and to be hungry. Both to abound and to suffer need. Paul, why? I don't know but I've been instructed. Are there some instructions that God is giving you that you don't seem to understand why 
I mean, when you talk about being full or abounding, it's good. But what about being hungry? What about suffering? I mean, choosing to suffer. It's an instruction that choose to suffer. And you don't understand why. But you obey. It makes your value go higher. Am I talking to God's people? Paul said he had been instructed to be hungry and to be full. Why would he have these completely conflicted instructions? And what is the benefit of being hungry? I'm like, why? why? Why should you be hungry? Why? God, what have I done when there's food? I mean, you come home, your, your mother is frying some nice chicken, the, the aroma is doing you something, and then it's like the Lord tells you, Abla, touch not the chicken. <laughs> I do the fish no harm. <laughs> I mean, to be very honest with you, it takes a higher level of revelation and grace to be able to obey certain things. Especially if you're hungry. Can you imagine somebody come, coming to dash you money? The Lord tells you, don't receive it. It's a level. And you are broke. I mean, it's not like you have money. You don't have money. Let me even continue by saying that maybe you have been praying for money. And then somebody is bringing you money. They're bringing you 3,000 Ghana cities. And then the Lord tells you, Ishmael, don't receive it. Sure, you begin to bind that voice. Lord, I refuse this. You are refusing because you know very well that the Lord is speaking to you. You don't want to listen. But that is a level. As you understand what how God does his things. That's why I say that Jesus, it said that Jesus learned obedience. So he learned obedience level 1, obedience level 2 obedience level 3, obedience level 4 obedience level 5, obedience level 6 there were places where Jesus got to and he had to just allow things to happen it's like it didn't mean well with him but because the father wanted it to be he said I do what my father I do what I see my father do he left to Jesus, he would want to heal everybody but he healed only one leper obedience to obey instructions that you do not understand. Grace, if God told you to do something that you do not understand, would you do it? And that is that is the point. So now, at that point, they will tell you, you can now release your seatbelt. <laughs> so there are some of us who operated in the 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12. At that point, we are at a different level. And those who are 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, they are also at a different level. Come up. Come up. There's a song like that, you know, so come up. Come up. You don't know the song like come up. <laughs> but you know, come closer to me. Come closer to me. Closer to me. 
the song. Hallelujah. The seventh level of obedience is obeying instructions that go against reason. We are getting stronger now. The seventh level of obedience is obeying instructions that go against. Now, now it's become tougher now. Against reason. <laughs> Why would God tell you to continue to live on in a country that is ravaged by poverty and famine eh, when you have the opportunity to live in a prosperous nation? But that was exactly what happened to Isaac. I want us to look at Genesis chapter 26 verse 1 to 3. Bible says that there was a famine in the land beside the first famine that was in the days of Abraham. And Isaac went unto Abimelech, king of the Philistines, unto Gerar. The Lord appeared unto him and said, Go not down into Egypt. Dwell in the land which I shall tell thee of. Sojourn in this land. Is it so? Isaac was actually, you know, he had heard where he was. Everything was getting worse. Like now in this season, you know, people are afraid of the coronavirus. It has just begun, but how is it going to get to and all that? You know, there have been times in other countries where farming hits the country and then people begin to think about traveling to another country because if they go to this country, it will be better for them. This was exactly what happened to Isaac. Then Egypt was like America. And then where he was, that's Gerard, was like one of the wildest places in Africa where there's so much poverty, things are not working, and everybody seemed to be going to America. Everybody seemed to be going to China. Everybody seemed to be going to this developed country. And then God comes and says, that, no, Isaac, don't go. Stay right here in the farming because I'm going to do something. And Isaac says, Father, if you say so, this is a higher level of instruction and higher level of obedience. How many of us will look at the situation you are in? It's very difficult. But then God says that, stay in. Don't move. I'm with you. And then you obey. It means that you know God. If you don't know God, you would say, no, I have to move. Especially when you can see others are also moving. And that is the differences between all of us. So when we hear of Josiah really set a record of obedience. He went through all that. When he hear of Jesus learned obedience by the things, he went through all that. Today, few Christians would obey the Lord if he told us to leave our wealthy cities and go live in a poverty-stricken country. It goes against reason. It goes against reason. To move your family from the safety of a place like America to a dangerous country side of West Africa. When I was being sent to the mission field in 1999 to Uganda, then Uganda was known as a country that had a high incidence of HIV AIDS. And there was war in the northern part of Uganda. And a lot of people who heard that I was going were quite worried. Like, ah, young man, you have just finished school one year and then you're going, and then, you know, but I was going because I obeyed 
the instruction that the Lord through my spiritual father had given me to go. Today, when they say the first mission to Africa, it, it doesn't even occur to me that it's a clap for me or whatever because I just obeyed. But to be very honest with you, it has a reward. So you're obeying what God tells you to do, even in the midst of the difficulty, has a recompense of reward. Hallelujah. What is the Lord saying that is difficult for you to obey? Even ministers of the gospel do not want their children to become pastors and live in poverty-stricken places like Ghana, Mali, Guinea, Niger. Most pastors actually prefer that their children become professionals like doctors, lawyers, businessmen in places like Europe, in America, rather than becoming pastors in West Africa, missionaries to Africa. It goes against reason. Because it's almost like you're sentencing your children to a life of poverty. I remember those days when we were being sent as missionaries. One of the things that the prophet Doug would tell us, condition your mind that you are going into a life of poverty. And that's how we go. And truly yours, those who go faithfully, it's not poverty you go meet. It starts with a little humble beginning and then gradually gets better. May it get better for you. Wow. I feel like ministering this song. Your eye is on the sparrow. Your hands they comfort me from the ends of the earth to the ends of my heart.
said, I will live in the glory of your grace. May you live in the glory of God's grace. Amen. I'm just ending the eighth level of obedience is obeying instructions that are painfully difficult. You know, now you get to a point where God can trust that my son, my daughter, you can obey instructions that are painfully difficult. And I think Job was there. Job, Job had to go through a painful experience. Some of the prophets had to go through a painful experience. And believers are also encouraged to move to that level. Can you imagine you are you are being you are you have been blessed with a huge man, amount of money, and then you are supposed to pay your tithe on this huge amount of money. Let me give you a scenario. You you bought a land, and then the land was at a very, very, very low cost area. And then some Chinese come around and they said they they have a machine that has picked up that your land has gold in it. And then they come and then they do their investigation and truly yours, there was gold in your land. And then this practically something that happened in Ghana, somewhere. And then they said, would you please release your land? Let's say you bought the land for 3,500 Ghana cities, which is just about, let's say $700. And then they say that we are going to give you one million dollars and then and build you a property somewhere because the gold that you are going to get is far more and then all of a sudden within a day or two you have become a millionaire in dollars so have one million dollars and they build a three story building somewhere for you now God says my son Sent your tithe. A tithe of one million dollars is what? Is when it comes to tithe, then people forget their mathematics. That's one of the things I've come to say. <laughs> eh? Ten thousand. It's not ten thousand. One million. Hundred thousand. Hundred thousand dollars. Hundred thousand dollars. It's your tithe, and you are taking it to this small church in Nyanyanokakraba. $100,000. Can you do that? That is when you hear things like, oh, I feel led to help the orphans. I feel like you, you begin to decide what you want to use the tithe for. But you are failing. As I am saying this, may that happen to you. So things like tithe. He said that all the tithe of the land, whether of the seed of the land or the fruit of the tree, is the Lord's. It is holy unto the Lord. You need to obey it. And so it's one of the things that I realize that you see, even when it comes to tithe, usually when your money that you are getting is small, people obey. But as it gets bigger, that's when you see it becomes painfully difficult to obey. Painfully. You see someone who didn't have a job, but now you got a job, you're traveling all over the world, you have money coming in, you're not regular with your tithe. That's why most churches are suffering because the people who have the money, they have sat on it. You see people who have money to build a house, but their tithe is something small. Where do you get the money to build a house? I'm talking to you. The next 
ninth level of obedience is obeying instructions that make you unpopular. Obeying instructions that make you unpopular. Pastors and prophets struggle to prophesy and preach things that make them unpopular. Can you imagine someone like Jeremiah? Jeremiah complained that false prophets were speaking lies, predicting only good things. When you predict bad things as a man of God, you definitely become unpopular. But that was his calling. Nobody likes to hear bad things about the future. And sometimes, to be very honest with you, to obey the Lord's instructions about what to preach, sometimes it can make you unpopular. And I have been preaching for a while now, from the the 90s. And I can tell you that there are times that the Lord will tell me to preach this. And that's not what I wish I could preach. There are times I can be preaching and I can see that the people's faces and expectations are not encouraging. But that is what God wants me to preach. As against sometimes these same people or another group of people, you start preaching on a type of message that they are just aroused, they are happy because that is what they like. Can you imagine you are saying, you are preaching the same thing that the people don't like for about weeks. If you don't take care, they will begin to catch you in their minds. They will say, look, we are, we are not happy with this person. But that is it. Would you look at the people or you look at what God is saying? Most of us, that is the point where we are not able to go further. God wants to please the people. Who do you want to marry? Do you want to marry this person that God says that when you marry, everybody will say, ah, look at somebody you're going to marry. Or, you want to marry this person, everybody will say, yeah. (laughs) It's a problem. Many brothers are now looking at the physical beauty of women to their greater deception. Beauty is in vain. Beauty is vain. <laughs> I can imagine people in their houses are quiet. You know, as you follow God, you get to that point where you have to decide God or the people. And that is this point, level number nine. Being instructions that make you unpopular. Like you are finished university and then you want to go to a mission field. Mission what? Mission field. Where? Sierra Leone. Sierra what? Sierra Leone. Sierra Leone. Whereas you have an opportunity to go and further your, your education somewhere. When I finished the first degree, I did building technology. I had the opportunity to go and do my master's in construction management. In Scotland, I had my university everything, Strathclyde University. I went gone to the UK, come back, just come to pick my documents and go again. And then my bishop says that Chris, the hand of the Lord is on you. Why are you wasting your time in this area? When and that's how I didn't go again. And I stayed in Ghana and I worked with him and Collegono as the data officer. And then through just few months after that, then 
I, we were praying in one point, and he says that Christ said, God has opened to Africa. I want to send you. And that's how I was sent. And I have no regrets. But it, it made me walk on a road of unpopularity. People were wondering, am I okay? I remember all my, my relatives, my uncles, my aunties, because my father was dead a long time. If my father was to have been alive, he wouldn't have allowed it. That is, allow your children to obey the Lord. Sometimes it's the reason why daddy must go. This statement is deep. I told a brother one day, the brother was telling me, in Uganda, he said, you know, pastor, my father doesn't want me to, Sunday morning is when my father wants me to wash, do this, do that, do that, do that. And I said, tell your father that, your pastor says that, you should try to do everything before Sunday, so that Sunday you can come to church. And he told the father, the father said, your pastor can't tell me what I should do. So when this gentleman came to me, I said, I have, I have pity for your father because usually such things, and I showed him from the Bible, can make God let your father go. Two years later, the father went. Went where? Went into eternity. Because anything that tries to take people from God and what he wants to do with them, God just intervenes. He's a jealous God. So, brothers, sisters, you are listening to me. As you rise up in the things of God, you get to a point where God wants you to obey instructions that make you unpopular. God can give you a wife that everybody is saying things about, but that is your choice. That is God's choice for you. Maybe you say you are fanti, and God is giving you another tribe, nothing, elsewhere, or you are an elsewhere. God is giving you a gun, which is something against tribe and what they believe in. But that is God's choice. I am married to a Krobo girl. A beautiful Krobo girl. But my family then didn't like the Krobos. And I said, I am not marrying Krobo. I am marrying a Christian. And that, my uncle who is already dead and gone, he said, all your brothers and sisters, they have obeyed us. You are the youngest. You come and say, look, this is what I want to do. Yeah, and I, I went ahead. That is the point where you must get to. Do you choose God or you choose what the people are saying? Is it your uncle who is going to marry for you? some quietness in the atmosphere. I can't see your faces, but I believe that the Lord is helping all of us. You know, and uh, the interesting thing is that, you know, God had to tell Jeremiah, for instance, that Jeremiah, <laughs> do not look at their faces. Because if you look at their faces, you can be discouraged. What I've told you to prophesy, prophesy. And Jeremiah, who was walking in this level, maintained what God had told him to do. I know our prophet died is like that. A lot of people don't like him. He's not invited into many meetings of very great men of God in Ghana. But he has stood for what the Lord had told him to do and what to say. And we see the fruits. Time always tells. Wisdom is justified 
my children. If I married a bad wife, it will show by now. why I'm, I'm just because a lot of people are unable to get here. The 10th level of obedience is obeying instructions that are bizarre. Obeying instructions that are bizarre. It can't be bizarre. It's like that's crazy. For example, in Genesis 17, 10 and 11, Bible says that God told Abraham, every man child among you shall be circumcised. Man child, man child. That means that if he's 36, he should be circumcised. If he's 25, he should be circumcised. Can you imagine your uncle is being circumcised? <laughs> and ye shall circumcise the flesh of your first king. You yourself circumcise. And it shall be a token of the covenant between me and you. So Abraham goes and said, hey, All brothers, come, we have a meeting. Social distancing. Tonight. The Lord said that me and all of you, we are circumcising. Any question? Yeah, question. Father Abraham, what is circumcising? <laughs> and then he explains. Circumcise means you bring your manhood out and you use cutlass or you use whatever <laughs> to chop part. Hey! I mean, you can imagine. This is bizarre, God. If you want our covenant with you to be established, is that what we must do? But that is God. As a God we serve. As you follow God, He will require you to do some things that are crazy. To be honest with you, if you are not willing to get there, just be down there. That's why Jesus, look, let's be careful when we are talking about men of God. Be careful when we are talking about God's children. When somebody says, God told me, allow the person to. Jesus will meet somebody who is blind and he will just spit, mix it with salt, and then spit. It looks bizarre, but that is him. Sometimes when I'm ministering, after preaching and all that, and then ministering the Spirit, and the Holy Spirit is showing me things, sometimes I question in my mind that what will people think? Because sometimes it looks bizarre. Remove my belt and lash somebody before. <laughs> I hear a man of God in the early 19th, 18th, 20th century, 19th something, so he used to lash people. I said, Lord, it's only once I've lashed one, but I'm yet to go to <laughs> lash him more. I didn't lash. I, I just had lash. But you see, this other man of God, I hear he will lash and then you receive your healing. Yeah. Sometimes kick, boom, and then you receive your healing. People may be in their wheelchair and then we bring them, say, let him stand up. Boom. And then you, it looks bizarre, but that's how they get healing. I mean, brother, what is God telling you to do? Sometimes it looks bizarre. But you see, the reason is that this levels is a revelation that you know God. Because if you don't know God, you can't do 
such risky things. <laughs> and that's why God enjoys it. Because like, well, to differentiate people who know me well and those who don't know me well, I must let these guys do some bizarre, very crazy things. Crazy. Most Christians struggle with instructions that make them look silly. What is the importance of cutting off the four skins of every grown man? Indeed, everybody who received this mutilation will be sick and in pain for many days. Yes, it's true. And that's what God expects them to do. Obedience number 11. The 11th level of obedience, and that's the last but one. The 11th level of obedience is obeying instructions that give rise. Listen to me carefully, this one. Obeying instructions that give rise to obvious evils. If you were to ask me, what do I think about these levels? I think that more people are at level one. And as it keeps going higher, few. Obeying instructions that give rise to obvious evils. For example, God instructs you to marry a prostitute. Brother, brother virgin. Spirit, brother spirit. And you gotta go marry sister dangerous. There are so many evils that could come to your life for marrying a prostitute. Marrying a prostitute. You know, there's a prophet in the Bible called Hosea. In Hosea chapter 1 verse 2 and 3, the Bible says that when the Lord first spoke through Hosea, the Lord said to Hosea, Go, Hosea, take to yourself a wife of the hollow tree and have children of hollow tree. For the land commits flagrant hollow tree forsaking the Lord. So he went and took Goma, the daughter of the blame, and she conceived and bore him a son. So why, do, why, why did God say that? But because God said that because he wanted to send a message. So sometimes there are some of us that God uses to send his message. That's why Jesus said, do not charge. To send his message. And I can imagine if I'm using this, my son or my servant, to send this message by marrying a prostitute, I will make sure that no sickness can affect him. God has his way. He would even divinely immunize him before he goes to marry. That is why, look, don't do something that somebody is doing by instruction. Because you, you do some, you will die. Hosea could have contracted sicknesses like gonorrhea, syphilis, herpes simplex, chlamydia infections by marrying prostitutes. Hosea's prostitute wife could have become unfaithful once in a while because he did not meet up, because Hosea would not meet up her standards of some of her former customers. Maybe what kind of mother would this prostitute be to the children of Hosea? Indeed, and this was an instruction fraught with many potential evils. Yet, Hosea obeyed the Lord and married the prostitute. So, would you obey? 
Similarly, many Christians will struggle with an instruction to, 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 to kill. <laughs> to kill men, to kill women, to kill children. Yet as you grow in the Lord, my brother, my sister, God will actually ask you to do things that may seem harmful to others. Listen to me, harmful to others. And you must be ready to move to the higher levels of obedience. Sometimes doing things that do not make sense to you. Now the last point. Hallelujah. When we walk with the Lord in the light of this world, what a glory. The last point, the twelfth level of obedience is obeying instructions that may lead to your own death. (laughs) Obeying instructions that may lead to your own death. That's the highest level. Instruction that may lead to my own death. You know that this will lead to your death and you are obeying it. In Luke chapter 18, verse 31 to 33, Bible says that then he took unto him the twelve and said unto them, Behold, we go up to Jerusalem and all things that are written by the prophets concerning the Son of Man shall be accomplished. For he shall be delivered unto the Gentiles and shall be mocked and spitefully entreated and spited on and they shall scourge him and put him to death and the third day he shall rise again and this is the highest level of obedience it is to follow an instruction which you know would lead you to destruction and possibly death that's the highest Jesus, Jesus is the perfect example of this. You know, Jesus followed his father's wishes and went to the cross. Think about it. There was nothing rational about this. Reasonable, pleasurable, like the lower levels. No. About him being humiliated, tortured, murdered. No. By such vicious soldiers of the brutal Roman Empire. No. But you see, you must develop yourself spiritually until you get to this point where you are malleable and flexible in God's hands. Malleable and flexible. Somebody say malleable and flexible. That's the point God wants us to get to if we can. That's why Jesus is called the Christ. Because he had tender level where he was willing to obey even unto death. You must be so willing and so obedient that the Lord can ask you to be hungry for his sake. You must be so willing and so obedient that the Lord can ask you to live or die for his sake. You must be so willing and so obedient that the Lord can ask you to be happy or to accept of happiness as your lot on this earth for his sake. And Bible says the prophet said Isaiah 119 if you be willing and obedient you shall eat the good of the land. May the Lord bless you as you have heard this message. Whatever level you are at, may God help you to move to the next level in the name of Jesus. When we walk with the Lord in the light of His world, what a glory He sheds on our way.
your eyes with me where you are if you can if you are driving and you cannot don't close your eyes but say it after me say Lord Jesus please forgive me of all my sins I confess you as my savior and my Lord please come into my heart and be the Lord of my life Lord Jesus please write my name in the book of life from today, I am born again. I will serve you all the days of my life. Satan, listen to me. I will no longer serve you. I will no longer follow you. Jesus has set me free. And I'm free indeed. Thank you, Father, for hearing my prayer. In Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you if you listen to me on this magnified word broadcast. My prayer is that God will grant you the ability to be able to rise from the level you are at in your obedience and then keep moving higher and higher. For Jesus learned obedience by the things that he suffered. Next week, by this time, I'll come your way with another message and I'm trusting that it will encourage you the more. May the Lord bless you. May he keep you. May he cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you and give you peace. Your brother and your friend, Bishop Chris, Queenston Adam. God bless you. Bye. I believe you've been blessed for listening to this powerful message. For prayers and counseling, contact the following numbers 0273 240 Stay blessed. like